every picture you learn, you learn something. It's always a work in progress and is a, is a poem. Is more than just a close. It's difficult to, to say that day I learned that and the other day that. Every day you learn a little bit more. Hi, I'm Dan Rubenstein, and this is The Grand Tourist. I've been a journalist for nearly 20 years, most recently as a home and design director at Departures Magazine. And this is my personalized guided tour through the worlds of fashion, art, architecture, food, and travel, all the elements of a well-lived life. Before we get started, a little programming note. This is the season finale of The Grand Tourist, but we'll be back in October with more episodes. And perhaps you'll find a few surprises between now and then. It's been said that art becomes design when you add the client, and fine art photography becomes fashion photography when you add the relationship between a clothing designer and an artist who can capture a moment, create a fantasy, and elevate clothing into fashion with a capital F. And few can do that exactly like our main guest today, Paolo Roversi. The groundbreaking Italian photographer has shot for Vogue, Vanity Fair, and just about every major glossy you can think of. And his campaigns for the likes of Dior, Fendi, and Yves Saint Laurent are absolutely legendary. Based in Paris, Reversi is known for his lack of eliciting revealing and vulnerable looks from his models, and the otherworldly and cinematic quality he brings to his images. Two recent projects highlight the dynamism of his work. First, a new book by Reversi, Polyform, Time, Light, Space, highlights the gaze not of models, but of furniture, where he documents totemic pieces by the Italian furniture brand. The second is Paolo Reversi, Birds, a show of his photography at the Museum Dallas Contemporary that highlights his ongoing collaboration with the legendary fashion brand Comme des Garçons and its founder, Ray Kawakubo. It's the first North American show devoted to Reversi, and the title comes from the way in which he evokes the sensation of movement in his sometimes haunting and always enigmatic portraits. Before I speak with Paolo, I wanted to probe into the Dallas Contemporary Show and learn more about what its co-curator and museum executive director, Peter Doroshenko, thinks about Reversi's work, about the connections between design and the applied arts, and the future of this often underappreciated aspect of the art world. And have you seen the craft of fashion change, of fashion photography change in the past decade or so? Is it becoming more more art and less commerciality? Uh, I I, th- I think there's the, the commercial aspect will never go away because that's that's what drives you know the fashion engine and and, the, and their careers. There has been more of an interest in uh, the the kind of creative to the point of art side of it and really kind of almost sometimes pushing themselves in their studio practice for the commercial side to an extent of it becomes more art than than commercial. Uh, I've seen that happen. It depends on, on, on the individual, obviously. What has changed is it has become less slick and less hyper-commercial, where it's almost crossed to the point of being just straightforward narrative and like so dry that it doesn't work in a commercial context anymore. Once again, it depends on each individual. Uh, but uh, somebody like Mario Sorrenti, you know, started out with the Calvin Klein uh, ads with um, Kate Moss in the early 90s, well, or in the mid-90s. That now has changed to the extent where whatever Mario is doing now with Jill Sadler is almost art. And so he's pushed it to such an extreme that himself and his and, and his photography, where it's it's it it's not recognizable to a certain extent. 
With the rise of Photoshop and social media, there's been a shift in fashion photography away from the polished look. Does that surprise you or is rebellion just something that artists are going to do? I, I, I think it's actually a little bit of both, but it also doesn't surprise me much um, because the, um, you know, there's another great photographer, Jorgen Teller, who I've worked with many different occasions where it was so crude and to the point of raw and almost nerve wracking when you looked at one of his photographs. Now it just seems totally natural with, in, with Instagram and social media and, you know, him doing a variation or a slow evolution of his work. It's maybe not as rapid enough to change with what a 14-year-old is doing in their, in their bedroom or in their backyard. It just doesn't have the, the power it did before. Or the, the people who were, for lack of a better word, slick or very kind of uh, focused in on the model, you know, the, the, they're pushing themselves or the model or the context that they're shooting uh, to uh, to a, another extreme where it's it's slowly changing. So I, I would say photo- photography has changed with the fashion world uh, or has tried to keep up with it. And I think it's like, it's always a race. One is always ahead of the other, but then the other takes over. But there's there's you know it, they're definitely connected. And before we get to talking about Paola specifically, um, since you started working curating fashion photography, how has that changed? Is it, is it more respected now, you think, in a contemporary art context? Uh, yes, I, I believe so. I, I believe that over the course of especially the last 10 years, there's been a, a, a real interest in fashion photography. And I believe it was always there. It's just, it, it has become slowly more magnified and larger. We, a, a lot of these photographers show in commercial art galleries, and um, that's always been there. I think it's because people want to own a work or want to buy a work. So for a gallery, it made sense. But I believe that uh, there's been much more attention, not only from fashion press, but lifestyle press and kind of popular press, including newspapers and television, where it's expanded and rightly so. Peter, when you talk to collectors or patrons, what advice would you give them if they wanted to start collecting fashion photography? Is there any difference between that and collecting other kinds of fine art photography? I, in in the past, uh, definitely ten years that I've been here in Dallas, uh, people buy what they like. Uh, I mean, there is always going to be people who buy with their ears or what others are doing, um, but I think for the most part, um, individuals, if they've seen a show of Jorgen Teller and they really like the work or Paolo Reversi, they go, they find out what is available in a gallery or on the market, an auction house, whatever it may be. And if they truly like it, they just buy it. And then it, it sits in to their larger context of having works by other artists, paintings, photography, sculpture, and it just all makes sense. I mean, there is no differentiation. I believe if somebody did want to start and only focusing on fashion photography, it would be a lot cheaper <laughs> than going out and buying uh, major works by by a lot of artists, uh, especially at the absorbent prices that, that they're commanding now. And it would still be fairly fresh and kind of unheard of, believe it or not. It's, it's hard to believe, but I would say there's only two or three collectors in the whole world 
who do a serious examination and a serious deep dive into collecting fashion photography, which Mm. is not a lot. Do you think it'll grow? I I would say yes, believe it or not, because I do see uh, not necessarily in the U.S., but in Europe and in Asia, commercial galleries are only having uh, fashion photography uh, for sale. Uh, it's, It's unusual, and I think that there's once again, a lot of room for it. And obviously with a lot of uh, photographers, uh, the works are still extremely affordable. So most galleries do also do a, you know, reaching out to get a a Richard Avedon or something like that, which commands a higher price point for the art. So that way, you know, they can also pay their bills. But a a lot of works by the most well-known living photographers right now, there's a lot of things you can purchase for, Ten, fifteen, twenty-five thousand dollars maximum, and that's kind of unheard of because it's it's still extremely affordable and very accessible. And you know, now that you've been studying fashion photography for so long, what makes a great iconic example of fashion photography that would set it apart from, let's say, just contemporary photography? Or is there even really a difference? Uh, I think there's a slight difference where um, you it stops you in your tracks, or you get really turned off to the point of hating it. I think it's a love-hate thing. Uh, I think the more unsuccessful uh, photographs are the ones that you just kind of just breeze by or take a, you know, I give it a you know two-second look and then you move on. I think that's kind of unsuccessful, but the ones that really like catch your attention, you can't take your eyes off of it, you can't, you know, you start, your mind goes abuzz, or the ones that really kind of create a, a negative tsunami of like, what the hell is going on? Uh, I really don't identify with that. I hate that. I think that really comes down to these kind of two extremes. Before we return to our program, I'd like to thank our sponsor, B&B Italia, a leader in luxury designer furniture. Founded in 1966, the company stands out for its representation of contemporary culture and for its research and innovation which has allowed the brand to create products with unique style and elegance. The brand is the fruitful partnership between the company's research and development center in northern Italy and the best international design professionals. The iconic products of B&B Italia radically mark the history of design. The brand has so many legendary pieces, and there's one to fit every personality. If I had to suggest an icon of B&B Italia to Paolo Roversi, I would suggest the Nunu Sofa by Antonio Citerio. With its unconventional combination of straight lines and gentle curves, I think Paolo would identify with this mix of tradition, with a dash of something unexpected. The deep seats and casually placed back cushions of this modular system combines a kind of unpredictability with a sense of order, just like the coastlines of a beach that the sofa is named after. Speaking of icons, which one is right for your personality? Visit bebitalia.com for more information. Paolo Reversi's show at Dallas Contemporary that Peter Doroshenko co-curated with Dennis Friedman highlights a rare thing in the world of fashion collaborations as we know them today, a four-decade relationship between the photographer and designer Ray Kawakubo of Comme des Garçons. It's Reversi's first solo museum exhibition in the United States. I, th- I think Paolo is almost operating in his, also in his own universe, to be quite honest with you. He's been able to set up a series of um, iconography, or one could call it style or, or performance. And, you know, he draws on two or three things extremely successfully 
over and over again and um, is not, not only is he not ashamed, he actually, like a younger artist, keeps pushing himself and and the photo medium. And I would say that uh, there's always this kind of uh, youthfulness to it, but yet you could see that there's a rich history and his understanding of the history of photography and especially fashion photography, along with really a, a, a keen look to uh, the the garments and the models and the kind of uh, creating a balance between the setting, the model, and the clothes, uh, which is um, which a younger photographer just wouldn't be able to pull off. And how would you describe his work? You know, to someone, let's say there's a patron at the museum who doesn't know anything about fashion photography, and they just said, "What's his work like?" Well, I, th- I, th- I well, it's 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 really almost theater um, in its its kind of uh, foundations. Uh, there's a use of both color, diffusing of, of the camera, lens, um, the manipulation of, you know, negatives or the, the, a process, if it's completely digital, in, in the computer where there's diffusion. It's, it's, it's truly a deconstructive fashion of uh, image that he strives for, uh, movement, uh, the kind of things that people were taught in the 70s and 80s to not to use, to, to immediately cross out on a contact sheet or, or delete. Uh, those are the things that Paolo starts with. And, uh, and so it's always been there. And I think that's what always has attracted fashion designers and uh, various magazines to him, where it's, it's not the usual, usual. And um, Yes, one could say that with Mario Testino and Jorgen Teller, and there's others that, that, that do that. But yet at, at the same time, I think what Reversi has done and is still doing is really capturing that youthful experimentation and not being afraid of making mistakes along the way. Peter, how did this museum exhibition, Birds, come about? So I, I reached out to to Paolo two or three years ago, and um, I engaged him in an, an exhibition here in Dallas, and uh, we met in Paris, and we talked about the possibilities. He was uh, working on a very large retrospective uh, at the time that it w- would have opened up and, and did open up, uh, even in these kind of strange COVID times, but unfortunately closed in his hometown in Italy. And, you know, we were talking about doing a a second version or kind of a survey of his work since a lot of people knew his work, but kind of didn't know the work. And uh, we were grappling with that. Then there were two more meetings that we had and a series of emails and exchanges of both text and images. And then we kind of finally agreed that the most dynamic or some of the most dynamic works and very consistent over the last almost 40 years, uh, was the work with the fashion label Comme de Garçon. You know, those images kept popping up over and over. You know, if you could envision a, a table with, you know, 280 images and, you know, we kept editing out certain images, but then always going back to the Comme de Garçon uh, history that, that uh, he's, uh, he's created. And we just decided, okay, this is what we need to do. It's never been done. Um, he's never organized an exhibition of his works so focused before. And so he kind of liked that idea where, you know, in Italy, he was doing the, the kind of uh, 
macro. We were hoping to do the, the micro in Dallas. So we we're very controlled, very deliberately uh, reserved. And but yet at the same time, something that would get a lot of people excited. So that's how it all kind of came about. And then I, I uh, had a, a great partner in crime, uh, Dennis Friedman, who I've known for the last 10 years. Um, we worked on it in tandem, visiting Paolo at, at different times, uh, culling the images and coming down to the exhibition that we have up right now in Dallas. What, when you were looking through hundreds of images of his work and this, the, the works that he created for Comme des Garçons, what stood out to you about them? How do you describe this particular body of work to someone listening who maybe you know, hasn't seen it just yet? Well, I, I, I think, you know, to be quite honest with you, it's, it's you know, in his work, in his body of work, it was always the extreme solarization, colorization, movement, you know, the, 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 the kind of positioning of the camera where there's more of the model's face than the actual clothes, uh, in the, in the final print. The way he, he would create the model would almost sometimes look more sculptural than, than, uh, than a figure wearing the clothes. I mean, really pushing the extreme. And it's hard for those, it was hard not to be gravitated to those images because they just stood out because he really went to an extreme. Much like the label has always pushed fashion, I think Paolo felt very comfortable in making those images because the clothing and the aura around the label was always an extreme. Before we return to our program, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Artemist. Artemist is the world's fastest growing online retail destination for exclusive Italian luxury design, decor, lighting, and gifts. Founded in 2015, Artemist celebrates and preserves authentic Italian craftsmanship by providing a global platform for more than 1,000 independent producers, designer makers, and artisans, and features thousands of exclusive products. The unparalleled online edit you find on Artemist includes the most extraordinary Italian makers for which the country is world-renowned. Design lovers and casual shoppers alike can search through more than 50,000 items. And you can take a closer look with multimedia content such as 360-degree views, videos, and detailed descriptions of each maker's history and specialized techniques. Listeners of The Grand Tourist can enjoy 10% off at Artemist with the code THEGRANDTOURIST. That's one word. So visit Artemis.com for more information. That's A-R-T-E-M-E-S-T dot com. Peter, with Paolo's new book on polyform and their furniture pieces, and after such a long career in fashion photography, does it make you think at kind of an alternative universe where Reversi has done other kinds of things in art that we haven't seen yet? Oh, yeah, very much so. Uh, in, in his studio, there's a real blurring of old school and new school. And what I mean by that is the way photographers worked when Paulo started in the late 70s, 80s, and today's world where everything is digital and everything's on the computer. So what I found, and he blurs that, in a very unique way, in his own personal way, where there'll be various cutouts of contact sheets of, of images. And then they'll be taped up on basically a piece of cardboard. And then there'll be various photographs taken of those images taped onto cardboard, digitized, and then sent to the fashion editor. 
And I just like thought, wow, that is like so messed up where it's, you know, every, you would just expect these things just to come as a single file, you know, very cold, very, but Paolo just, you know, creates his own story for even the most banal request. Um, and it really, you know, once again, he, he kind of creates his own, um, network and, uh, I think he feels extremely comfortable in that. So that's maybe why, uh, furniture is not, uh, out of bounds for him because, uh, you know, his, his, both his home and his studio, which are one building, uh, is kind of impeccable, uh, in terms of style, uh, placement, and uh, it's definitely not yeah, something that you, we would find in a, uh, a a lifestyle magazine, but it could be. It just he, he it's his personal uh, space, and he doesn't would never advertise it as such. He doesn't have that kind of an ego, but uh, it all makes sense because uh, you know he, he's he's uh, he's living and feeding off of this kind of energy that he creates himself. It's hard for me to understand Paolo's work without considering his Italian background and the way he approaches his work and life. Is there an Italian nature to his work? Uh, yes, I, I think it has to do with his studies and research into 19th century, early 20th century photography and this whole aspect of a studio portraiture, which always has had a particular look and limitations and him starting out with the those limitations and then creating his own dialogue from that. So I would say he has successfully taken something extremely European in that sense and those early aspects of photography in Europe and the crudeness and the kind Kind of once again that deconstructive component which later became very slick and refined over the course of time especially by mid-century and has reverted back to those those early days of uh, the, the the birth of photography before we get back to the program i'd like to thank our sponsor frete for more than 160 years frete has brought comfort to the homes of the world with masterfully crafted sheets of unparalleled quality more than 500 European royal families have slept beneath the sheets of Frete, not to mention more than 1,500 luxury hotels around the world. The new spring-summer collection is inspired by the iconic scenes of the Italian summer. Bright saffron, radiant peach rose, as well as a classic navy blue. Call to mind the lemons of the Amalfi Coast, the coastlines of Portofino, and the deep blue seas of Sardinia. This summer, I'm sure you're venturing outdoors for your very own grand tour of rejuvenation and maybe even enjoying a podcast or two. Aside from yours truly, I might suggest another companion for your time under the sun, the new Lido Beach Capsule Collection from Frete. This stylish trio of must-haves contains a beach bag, towel, and cushion, and is made from a super soft terry cloth and comes in three colors, saffron, navy, my personal favorite, and slate gray. All three coordinate perfectly together for any grand location, the French Riviera, Miami Beach, or just poolside. Visit Frete at F-R-E-T-T-E dot com for more information. It's time to talk to the master himself from his studio in Paris. Paolo, what was your childhood like in Ravenna in Italy? In Ravenna, I had a very nice childhood. And, uh, you know, was the sea, the beach, 
very sunny in summer, and in the winter was a little bit foggy. And this fog is, I think, is a little, a little bit in my picture. This out of focus, and this. <laughs> and when it comes to your your style of of portraiture, people comment. People like to say that you have a very intimate uh, style of of portraiture. Um, is there a technique or how would you describe your, your method to get these photographs that are so intimate and alluring? Yes, I don't think it's special technique. I just try to put my subject in a very confident to me and then very relaxed. There is a moment of abandon where I can through the eyes of my soldier to look inside and to get more than the surface and the geography of his face. I always like to think that I can take a picture of his soul. Uh, you mentioned that you now you work in digital and digital photography. Is, is that, um, do you enjoy it? I mean, many people are very resistant to, to digital if they worked in film for so long. Or is this something that you, what was that like the first time? Do you, do you enjoy working in digital? No, I, I, it was uh, really painful since the beginning. I didn't like the material, the texture, the, the this electronic uh, and this image appearing and disappearing in the screen. Now a little more I use and I accept more things and I found maybe certain way to adapt this camera and film for for my work. Has it has does digital photography make you now today uh, more creative or or less because now you can you can manipulate things very easily that you couldn't do before. No, I I don't use I don't use Photoshop and these kind of things. I still like I'm I'm an old school photographer. I still like to do the picture as a preview, as the moment you shoot, to have everything. And then that is the image. She comes to life in that way. I don't like to accept it like it is. I don't like to manipulate, no. And when it comes to your book with Polyform, uh, in the book, you, you wrote that every portrait, every photograph is a portrait. So how did you take a, a portrait of a chair of a, of a, from Polyform? Uh, yes, it was a nice experience, very nice, because uh, a chair is different than a girl, than a woman, than a nice clothes, you know. It, it doesn't move, it, it doesn't smile, it doesn't breathe, but he has a, another kind of life, another dimension, another, and it's very interesting to search in this different life something Alive, something to tell a story about. You know, today I'm sure that uh, you know pe younger people in the in the office or that you work with talk a lot about uh, Instagram and and taking pictures of everything and and putting them you know on Instagram. Uh, I'm curious, what do you what is your opinion of this sort of new age of uh, Instagram photography? We're taken on a phone usually. Me, I think I think it's very very interesting for young people to communicate with Instagram through photo through photographs and is a, a new language, you know. And uh, 
and it's very interesting and uh, exciting for them. But I'm not sure is really something about photography. For me, photography is a, is another thing, is another story. If it's not about photography, what do you think it is? For me, it's not it's not an art form. No, no, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. Is it? a pollution of images, you know, and uh, so many cats, so many... What do you think, it, where, if it's not in a magazine and maybe if it's not necessarily on Instagram, where, where do you think there is a kind of a future for the, you know, fashion photography as art? You know, the, this sort of classical, um, uh, this craft that you've um, devoted your life to. Do you think that there is, do you think it's possible in the future that this will continue to... To, to really grow and evolve? Yes, I think so. I think so. I don't know in which way, but it's possible. But I'm not sure that fashion photography is art. Did you say that, but I'm not sure of that. And do you consider do you consider your work, your fashion photography, to be art? Uh, no, I consider it's uh, sometimes a good work, sometimes not. I don't know if it's art. I like what I I able to communicate something to some to my spectator and to give an emotion, and this is enough for me. But of course, not. Every picture you take every day for fashion it can, be, can, can be framed and put on the, on the wall of the museum. No, not at all, not at all. <laughs> Do you consider yourself a craftsman, maybe, if not an artist? Oui, more a craftsman, yes, much more a craftsman. And, and for someone listening that, that uh, likes to take pictures, right? Now everybody has a camera on their phone, right? Um, what is your advice to someone who says, how do I take a good picture or how do I take a good portrait? What would you, what advice would you give them? My advice to young photographers is to be, to be their self, to be, to be very spontaneous, very fresh, very honest, very honest and very spontaneous and to enjoy, to take picture, you know, to enjoy, but not to think just, to take picture is is nothing. It's a big responsibility. It's a big work, and uh, and to give a picture to the world is a, a big responsibility. Responsibility. Why, why is it a responsibility? You think? Because if you want to have a, a better world, you need to take better pictures. If you take bad pictures, the world will be ba bad. Thank you to Paolo and his team in Paris and Peter at Dallas Contemporary for making this episode happen. The editor of this episode is Stan Hall. Transcriptions are by Kara Johnson. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Grand Tourist. Don't forget that season two will begin in October. And thank you to everyone listening. The first season couldn't have happened without you. To keep this going, please follow me on Instagram at Dan Rubenstein to learn more. And don't forget to follow The Grand Tourist on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and leave us a rating or comment. Every little bit helps. Till next season.